The pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. And welcome to the Draft Rugby Show. I'm your host, Kagi, back and ready to steer the sh- steady the ship, rather, uh, in a podcast that, with one less Dale this week, will undoubtedly be at least 50% better. Uh, joining me, I do have the remaining Dale, a man who is sitting very pretty towards the top of the OG League uh, fantasy table. That's right, listeners, you guessed it. Harry, De- oh, wait, sorry, no, Nelson. Nelson is joining us. Uh, mate, sorry, apologies. You have to pardon me for that when I was writing, you know, like just it's what we're used to, mate. How are you, Nelson? But I'm, I'm doing well. Like I can understand it's confusing for you. You're rattled. You're coming dead last in the table. You know, it's zero from three. It's, it's been a tough few weeks for you, mate. I'll, I'll just give you a bit of grace, Pierre. Bit it's of calm grace. It's true. No, thank you for that. It's... um. I mean, look, you know, they say it takes one to know one and no one knows it better than you. Um, you know, having really <laughs> gone to the bottom of the table um, and gone through those tough... It wasn't really tough Made weeks. It's history it was, for it me. Tough years, really. So um, thank you for, for my, Thank you for your empathy and understanding. But, um, mate, I, when I was writing this, I almost thought you were top of the table this week. Um, you're not quite there yet. Very close. But um, I, it got me thinking, like, how long has it been since uh, you have found yourself top of the table and actually, I couldn't actually be bothered to go back and look for it. That's the kind of thing we need, yeah, Harry. Yes. He, would, he would take the time to go back and look. But have you even no, been top years. of the table since I started playing this? I don't even know. Yeah, uh, three years ago, I was top of the table. All right, well, we'll get Harry to fact check that. But um, anyway. last, well, Not including the last three years, four years ago, I say. Oh, <laughs> okay, it. here we go. Here come the loopholes. But no, very good. Anyway, without, we, we can't keep him waiting in the wings in the, uh, in the green room. Um, joining us, replacing Harry this week, very excited and very keen to have uh, for his 11th pod cap, the super sub, Noobum, joining us. Mate, um, it's been a while <laughs> between drinks. Uh, well, between pods, actually. Uh, I can see you're having a beer right now, so that's good, uh, keeping that up. But uh, in keeping with tradition, uh, I have to ask you, who was your super sub of Draft Rugby Round 3? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks, guys, for uh, having me back on. Um, I thought you forgot about where you come from now. You guys are all famous in the rugby world. So um, this week... I'll take it. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) That sounds good. Uh, This week, I uh, will take uh, Wetu, where's your kimono mono, Douglas. He is the super sub. Um, He was named to start off the bench and uh, he actually started, uh, which was excellent for me being a Wetu owner. Um, he had a massive game. Massive game. A recently picked up Vetu owner. No, it's a look. We this might be a little contentious this one because we do like an actual super sub that comes off the bench during the week. But look, we can tell uh, you were very excited about Vetu uh, doing a great job for you. But um, unfortunately, not enough. Not not enough to bag you the win. I'm um, I'm surprised Nelson hasn't um, got in here yet. But Nelson, you faced up against Neighbor, uh, Newbum. I thought this wasn't going to. I thought this wasn't going to come up. Well, you thought wrong, mate. What do you think this is? <laughs> don't, we, don't we have to push on with time or something? No, we've got plenty of time, mate. You, you really struggled this week. I felt Look, sorry for you there. No, Nubam, you have to let Nelson enjoy his time in the sun because <clears> it is, it's basically a 364-day eclipse most of the time. You know what I mean? Like it's, He gets that <laughs> one really short burst of it. Um, you've got to let him have it. It's, um, it's only fair. So, No, but um, look, listeners, uh, just wanted, it's important to note that I am, in fact, uh, I did get his name right. His name is Noobum, 
um, as uh, after inviting his younger brother to join the OG League last year. Uh, Mistake. And no less our uh, 2020 OG League champion, Christian Neymar. Um, there was a, uh, a deal struck where the losing brother, they both go by Neymar, the, the losing brother uh, was banished to, uh, to New Bum. So how's that feel, <clears> mate, with your, uh, your younger brother not only coming in and winning in his first year, a feat which you've been yet to accomplish, uh, I think we're six years into this now, but also um, taking, taking, stripping your name away, mate. How does it feel? Very degrading, mate, to be honest. <laughs> Very degrading. I've never heard you lost for words, mate. It's enough, just, um, enough said. Enough said. To the core. Okay, I, I, will just, I will just say that that was the first time you've got any name right on this podcast, mate. Nubum. That's true. Well, I mean, to be fair, Nubum did do a pretty good job with Wetu Kamakamo Douglas, uh, the Uber driver, Wetu Douglas. Um, name's not Wetu, it's Fetu, but yeah. Look, it's good having someone else who um, has my same, you know, language skills. Um, but uh, no, anyway, we really enjoy that, that the name battle. It first came in when uh, we had two Harrys in the league and the losing Harry was named Larry. Uh, and I, I actually still know him as Larry. That's actually the only name I know him by now. It's that kind of ingrained into my mind. Uh, so He was my best man and I still call him Larry most of the time. That's it. So. That's it. So, um, look, I'm hoping Nubum really catches on for this year, but uh, particularly it might if he can't get back above uh, and, and claim his name back this year. But, look, alas, we're giving him a hard time. He's joined us on the pod. He's come back. Um, and Thank you, boys. And so we should certainly move on. 11 caps. That's good. Well done. Um, now... Before we get into the uh, the menu for tonight, uh, in finishing the intro, I'd like to thank Brendan Shields. Uh, actually, whenever I read his name, I always think of Brad Shields, uh, the Hurricanes and English international star. But um, no, thank you to Brendan Shields for joining us or joining Harry and Nelson, or when I say joining, putting up with Harry and Nelson uh, last week on the pod. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for his great insights and uh, his statistical analysis. Um, he was provided some really good value. So uh, if you haven't already, do yourself a favour and you can get after him uh, on Twitter at RugbyCology and check out his website uh, at RugbyCology.com. Nels, how was, how was that? Mate, I, I, he had some really interesting insights and I, I think it's stuff that, you know, fantasy managers could actually take away, delve into to some of the stats he was talking about in attack and defence and basically just how accurate teams were in, in both of those. So I think there's definitely something you can take out of it rather than, you know, our go-to that the Crusaders will always score lots of points and this year the Tars won't. True. That's, um, that's my bread and butter. But, uh, we, so you were taking some notes throughout the pod then. That's good. Um, and look, whilst we are uh, t- doing some plugs um, at Draft Rugby, get after us on the socials if you aren't already. I'd be amazed if you're listening to us and you haven't followed us. I mean, come on, really. But um, no, particularly, please get after us on YouTube. Uh, Harry particularly goes to the effort of, um, you know, we now record these on Zoom, these video uh, chats. Um, if we get all together in person, uh, we record just record the video and put them up. Um, so, yeah, please subscribe and get after us on YouTube. I'm trying to grow that a little bit. Um, and, yeah. Anyway, into tonight's menu. For Entree, we are going to review Draft Rugby Round 3. For Main Course, we're going to preview the fixtures to come in Draft Rugby Round 4. And for dessert, we're going to take a quick look at, after three rounds of draft rugby, who has impressed? Who are the newcomers that uh, fantasy managers are just lining up to either add to their rosters or, or trade them into their rosters? Um, who are the newbies? So we'll get stuck yeah, we've in gone, as well. 
we've got a, we've got a bit of the newbies and we've got a bit of the the names you should know as well. We'll give them both a bit of credit, I think. Fantastic. Look forward to that. All right. Well, the entree uh, buys in draft rugby round three: the Waratahs and the Hurricanes. Um, and we'll kick us off. We'll go through the uh, the Aussie games first, and then the um, Kiwi games. So, for the for the Aussie conference, we had the First Nations round, which was uh, really exciting. Some really cool jerseys. What did you guys think of the jerseys? Mills. Yeah, man, I, I actually really quite liked them. Um, it was interesting. I, the Tars actually put out an Indigenous jersey as well and they weren't playing. So, I mean, it was the best week for them in, in a long time. But, yeah, maybe they need to wear that jersey more. Nubung, of course, wearing his Wallabies jersey. Getting in the spirit. You can see it there, viewers. Yeah. Sorry, Nubum. Jeez, I slipped up again, boys. I can't have that. Um, but... Uh, no, very good. And, um, you know, there was a, we talked a lot about uh, it was cool bringing in some of the proceedings. The, uh, the smoke ceremony was very cool. Um, you know, Alex the Chimney Newbum, uh, you know, conducted his own tribute, uh, his own special type of smoke ceremony um, to get involved. A little different, but, um, you know. I, um, one, one big thing I found out that I never would have thought about, I actually really, really loved the teams walking out to the didgeridoo. You know, it felt very much like Scotland walking out to bagpipes. I thought it was awesome. It was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, exactly. We just need more of this kind of stuff but um, to get in and around the game. Uh, and it was also really cool looking back at some of the really, uh, the, the greats of the Indigenous game. Just watching Andrew Walker highlights was fantastic. You know, I mean, you could watch those all day. But um, Jim Williams. And it was interesting to see. I didn't know uh, Moorhead was actually um, Aboriginal as well. So it was good to see a bit of hype around that as well. And also Moses Sarovi as well. He's part um, Torres Strait Islander. Yeah, too bad Muirhead's a terrible player, but that's all right. Um, look, uh, before we yeah, before we end the first game as well, just we're definitely going to be missing a few um, injuries returning players. You know, we've hastily tried to chuck in what we can think of off the top of our heads. But um, as much as I don't like giving Harry uh, credit, um, his weekly casualty ward that is very popular, um, still in progress. Harry's had a pretty full weekend, where, hence he's not joining us tonight. Um, and uh, so 100th cap, mate. That's what he's missing. He's decided, no, I don't need 100 caps. Let's he's put faked an injury and got Nubum in here for his 11th. Well, that's it. I mean, Nubum was saying, um, 99 caps not out, and I was saying, well, look, I mean, why does it have to be not out? We could just we just (laughs) Just raise the finger. Umpire's call is out. Oh, good. Um, oh, mate, that's, they couldn't stop talking about the, the cricketers uh, in the Kiwi Conference on the weekend. I thought Kalen Boshier came on for his um, uh, debut and he was captain of the under-20s uh, cricket team for New Zealand. And, of course, Will Jordan, Geordie Barrett, Will very Jordan, accomplished yeah. players as well. But anyway, um, so just stay tuned to the Casualty Ward. That's where you get... Uh, it'll be posted probably tomorrow, I'd say. That's where you get all your big updates um, on all injuries across Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby Aotearoa. Uh, but without my favourite saying, without further ado... Let's get into it. Noobum, game one, the Western Force and the Melbourne Rebels. Mate, take us through it. What a way to kick off the uh, Australian Conference. Uh, obviously, the score, uh, Western Force was seven and the Rebels were ten. So very tightly contested between these two teams. We saw Sidaleki Tamani return. Um, the Rebels have just signed him. Um, and then the, from the injury side of things, uh, we saw Tony Pulu, who actually wasn't named. Uh, it was a Braki who was named pre-match, um, got pulled. And Tony Pulu actually ended up starting in the end, detriment to my fantasy team. 
I think he um, ended up getting an injury as well. I think he, he might have done a low-grade ankle injury as well. Yeah, Tony Pulu. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. So um, check the casualty ward out for seeing uh, how, how, how far he away he is for, until the next rounds. Yep. Um, but to the game, we, uh, we saw both teams have a proper crack. Um, but they, they really did show a bit of a lack of class and um, they weren't able to finish. And that was completely obvious, even though it was an entertaining game to watch. They, there was good attack. There was good intent in attack, but that was about it. There was a lot of intent. You know, they both teams wanted to prove they could score tries, but it just turns out that they couldn't. Um, it was interesting to actually see the Rebels change attack from the teams that they saw uh, when they from when they played the Brumbies and the Reds where they're taking penalties. Um, and they thought against the force that they could actually have a bit of a crack, but they just couldn't get over the line. Um, it was obviously a bit of a failure for them. Nels, did you, did you think anything yeah. about that? Yeah, look, I think it was interesting. Both teams decided they wanted to, to you know, go for tries rather than take the points. The, the biggest mess up there for me was the force deciding, you know, last play, they'll, they'll kick the ball out and go for a driving more to score a try. The ball, I mean, they kicked it out. It was a 10 metre, they were 10, 15 metres from the line as well, when they definitely had a shot to take points just before half time. I mean, that could have proved the difference. It would be 10, 10, 10 here. It seemed like well, an absolutely ridiculous choice. And then we would have exactly right. Yeah, exactly. And and even like the the force couldn't even get over the line. Um, you know when uh, Ross Halepetti got a, a red card at seventy minutes, um, and then the lights just suddenly turn off for some ridiculous oh, reason. And then and then you saw the the lady uh, the lady shuffling <laughs> through the the rules book. Um, I hadn't I hadn't seen someone sweat bullets that hard in a little while. I found that quite hilarious. Hey. They were so rattled. They're almost as rattled as Kagi, you know, what we're going to see from him on Thursday night. There were, the commentators were even saying that it was that close to being called off, so I had a good chuckle about that. Um, the stats generally kind of uh, reflected the score, the close score line. Possession was close. Territory, um, you know, everything, uh, the line breaks, tackle bus, everything was pretty close. Um, in terms of... Uh, fantasy player of the match. And of course it has to be Marika Corabetti who has been in insane form at the moment. I haven't seen anything like it mm. with uh, 82 points, 14 carries for 130 meters. So nearly 10 meters a carry, five line breaks, six tackle busts, three offloads of one try assist. He's been absolutely outrageous. How good is so five line breaks? Games. Five line breaks is literally a team's worth of line breaks to one guy. It is intense. <laughs> Mate, he's he's been given, um, and he said in an interview, he's actually been given the freedom to roam around, and he's obviously making the most of that. Um, from other players' perspectives, we have Kai Two scoring sixty-five points, Pincus uh, forty-three, Hodron Powell forty-two, and Old Man Kahui is actually been getting some good um, good points recently, scoring forty-one. Mate, um, Kaitu was really impressive, except for the fact that, quote, he was throwing custard tarts in the line-out. He was absolutely shocking throwing that line-out. From Goog Harrison. And, Nels, you were contesting the stats because uh, the stats yeah. seem to suggest that the uh, force, um, what, they won 15 from 18 line-outs, but uh, you weren't having it. I think they flipped it. I think they actually won three from 18 <laughs> and they messed it up. 
That's true. Wenny, Kai two owners were laughing the house down, <clears throat> um, aka my competition this week. So, uh, very good. <laughs> Two good weeks in a row from him. Yes. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. it. Well, Nels, do you want to take us on into the Brumbies and the Reds uh, game of the round of draft rugby as far as I think we're all concerned? Mate, I can. This this was going to be your game, but I'm happy to do it. Uh, this this was such an awesome game. Brumbies, you know, fighting hard and, and getting an early lead, but going down 40 to 38 in this one. Uh, Falao Fainga returned from his toe injury, uh, which, you know, persisted to keep him out of the game uh, early on in the season. Lukan Salakaya Lotto returned after his red card. Brendan Fainga Amosa returned after his neck injury from the bench. Uh, we had Tom Ross start due to numerous injuries for the Brumbies and he ended up getting injured. And I'm pretty sure Scotty Seo got injured about a minute, minute and a half before him as well. So the Brumbies will be looking to Subby's rugby, I think third, fourth division to see if they can find some props this weekend. Craig, you might actually have a crack. Yeah, I, my phone, I've been camped out by the phone. I haven't got a call yet, but um, you know, the week is young. The week is young. Yeah, so. yeah. Fair call, mate, fair call. But look, this this was such an awesome game. Uh, went right to the you know the dying minutes, 78, 79th minute when the uh, Reds, you know, Paysami decided to put that grubber through, and it was this just beautiful little grubber. Uh, Pattaya almost overran it, flung around like a stripper around the the goalposts to to dot it down and, and score and win. Oh mate, so good. Is it not only? <laughs> Yeah, mate, it was so good. But it was great to see Flau Fanger back, scoring a couple of tries. That's what we've come to expect from him. And look, I think he gets hard done by a little bit where people say, you know, he's just at the back of a good driving mall. The difference was you saw him do it twice in this game and the Brumbies haven't been as successful in recent weeks. He just knows when to pick and choose, when to break off, 100%. when to stay and trust trust the boys in front of him. But more importantly for fantasy managers, uh, he's never giving the ball to Noah Lalesio to come in and score a try. He's... And I, I got both of them, so yeah, I'm happy that... he did. <laughs> no, but he's not giving it up to a back. He's bagging that try for himself. For sure. Uh, another another big game from Valentini. We've been quite impressed with him. I was very impressed right from the preseason. Um, he sat Harry Wilson down once or twice, and I mean it could be a really big year for him if he continues this. You can just tell he's absolutely hungry. There's been a few years. Sorry, I was going to say he's kind of been the prince that was promised 2.0. Really, we've been just waiting yeah. for this uh, him to light it up, and it seems like this year it, it could be it. Well, yeah, be I mean, six, well, it'll be six. Mate, he has potential. He's still got some some work ons for sure, but he's really showing a lot of aggression. Which you know, throwing that big body around, which is something we want to see. The the battle of the scrums was an interesting one. I think the the Brumbies looked relatively strong. They got a penalty, you know, very early in the scrum, but then Taniela Tupo decided he'd just destroy that Brumby scrum as soon as they brought on their couple of reserves, their third choice in in both yeah. propping options and just literally dis- dismantled them. It was, you know, he put on a, a, a class show for everyone watching and it, it reignited, I think, some people's love of the scrum. I know, I know it really invigorated me there. But, yeah, look, possession and territory were pretty similar. If we look at, you know, metres, we look at tackle busts, all pretty similar, line breaks, offloads. Not a lot to divide the two teams here, which is, I suppose, similar to the previous game, not, not surprising in such a tight matchup. But the interesting thing here for me is my man, Falau Fainga, fantasy man of the match. Is that an interesting voice? My boy. Well done. Well done. I'm surprised you didn't didn't keep Good segue, mate. Good segue. How good. How good. 70 points. He got two tries and 11 tackles. What a weapon. 
Pete Samu, he got 60 points. He also bagged himself a couple of tries. And his opposition, Harry Wilson, scored 41 as well. But look, all round, I think this was such a good game for Aussie Super Rugby. Good game to have on free to air. And hopefully, you know, we see more games like this. This this battle between these two sides, I think we're going to go see go on for years in the future. Yeah, I think Better that's the Kiwi games. Go the boys. That's it. I mean, it was almost a point per minute. You know, it's, it's what we know that the Aussie teams are capable of, of delivering that type of quality footy. But that was, that's some of the best footy that we've seen um, from the Aussie conference. Yeah. yeah. Well, best Aussie derby I've seen in a very long time. Right up there with some of the best Super Rugby matches. It's almost yeah. as good as the Waratahs having the bite. That's, um, that's our second favourite uh, fixture in 2021. Very good. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the New Zealand Conference, Super Rugby Aotearoa. And uh, the Chefs took on the Crusaders. Uh, it was a home game for the Chiefs. Yeah, sorry. I thought you... No, it was, it was Crusaders' home game. Was it? Crusader. Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was in Christchurch. That's why I got yeah. thrown. Um, yeah. Well, uh, returning in this one, the super sub that Nubum has already uh, alluded to, Vetu Douglas, um, named, no, no V, named on the bench, uh, and he was promoted to starting with uh, Cullen Grace being pulled pre-game with a rib injury. So um, <laughs> the Crusaders, having lost Ethan Blackadder last week and Cullen Grace pre-game this week, uh, with a new back row pairing of uh, Sione Havili and uh, Vetu Douglas. Um, yeah, the, the Chiefs, mate, they know how to start a game. Like it is last week, this week, they just they come out on fire. It's been a rinse and repeat. D-Mac a try early on. Um, Nelson's been enjoying that. uh, Of course I do, mate. But it's a simple thing. You bet. doesn't matter who they're versing. Bet on D-Mac first try. That's what I did this week and it came off. Just gamble responsibly, please. And don't yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but uh, no, um, no. Anyway, the Chiefs. Yeah, they just literally come out and fire. It seems. It feels like it doesn't matter who they're up against. I mean, this was the Crusaders we're talking about, and they just came out all guns blazing. And um, for that first five ten minutes, you know, it, it looks like the Crusaders didn't have any answers. They, it was just it was all out attack. The skills were on point, uh, and they they kept, they got it done. They scored a try. You know, how hard is that to do against the Crusaders? So um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, they had it. They had it all their way until some very big pivotal moments. And I think that's what you're probably going to touch on next. But I was a bit frustrated with the, the refing in this one. Yes. Look, I particularly was frustrated given that uh, I went from uh, what feels like always happens to me, but uh, let's not go down that sad story. Um, the, you know, the high of a, uh, what could have been a, a Leicester firing a Nuku second try, um, but then ended up re- resulting in a Brad Webber yellow card, two players in my team. Um, I think Brad Webber was very rightly so stitched up in that, um, you know, he's tackling Richie Moanga. This was probably the pivotal moment of the game. Um, the captain's change. You've got, you got to discuss that. That's, that's the, the biggest part of this. Such yeah. a failing on a captain challenge. Sorry, that's a good point. He's, yeah, I actually was going to gloss over that. No, so uh, exactly that. Sam Kane issued a captain's challenge specifically to look at something. Um, and this was Richie Mo- uh, Brad Webber tackling Richie Moanga uh, and they had said that Brad Weber had hit the ball mm. and knocked it backwards, meaning that it wasn't a knock-on from Richie Moanga, which then ended up resulting in um, Brad Weber did uh, cynically prevent Fyanganuka from scoring a try by being offside and resulted in penalty try yellow card to Weber. Um, but, you know, the replay they showed in slow-mo multiple times, and you could hear all the commentary stuff blowing up about it because 
Weber clearly did not hit the ball, uh, but instead hit Richie Moonga's arm, causing the ball to be dislodged and a clear knock-on. So um, did- huge, huge pivotal moment in that game, losing your co-captain and halfback and giving the Crusaders... You know, a one-man advantage for ten minutes and the penalty try, and that's it was, yeah. It was a clear, it was a clear turning point for me. But it was interesting hearing uh, Brad Weber after the match. He was asked about you know that that moment and did he touch the ball? And he goes, "Oh, I didn't think I did. Did you think I did?" To the interviewer, <laughs> and she just she couldn't answer. And he goes, "Yeah, that's what I thought." <laughs> like, it was very very frustrated, rightly so. That's it. Well, the Crusaders are a team that you like. If you manage to get some momentum against them, you know it can change at the job oh, of a job of a high, and you can't afford something like that. So that really took the took all the wind out of their sails, basically. But um, yep. anyway, the only other point I have to talk about because obviously we're talking about my players, Crusaders Chiefs, uh, Lester Fying and Nuka. How good has he been? Um, I certainly am wearing my Fying and Nuka covered glasses when I, I will say that his foot. Didn't touch, didn't go out and uh, touch the ground, and he just scored one of the most acrobatic finishes uh, of recent years. A try in the corner. Nelson um, will be quick to correct me. No, no, mate. Look, I, I, it was amazing acrobatics, and on, on the vision and on the video, there was nothing to rule it out. But since we've seen one of the sideline photographers, a photo that he's taken where the, his foot is clearly on, clearly on the ground, but Last you just day. couldn't pick it up in the, that slow mo video where it's a bit blurry. Well, the game's in Christchurch. Brad Weber apparently didn't get anywhere near. He, he touched the... Uh, it's it's in Christchurch, basically. What else can you ask for? There was some very bad refing going against the Chiefs. <laughs> run of I, have, uh, I, I think the Crusaders have, like, their own TMO that then displays the footage to the TMO. You know what I mean? They've got, like, an intercept of that footage and they just um, edit that in, in, in pre-production or whatever. Anyway, with this game, look, we talked about Chiefs started, but basically... Um, after that, it was all Crusaders. You know, this momentum flip, the stats are insane. Crusaders ended up this one with, you know, 60% possession, 70% territory, huge attacking stats difference, 543 metres to 213, 33 tackle loss to six, 21 line breaks to one, 14 offloads to zero. I don't know what else you need. That's just, uh, it was insane. They they stole four of the Chiefs' seven lineouts and won 17 of their own. And they were dismantling the Chiefs at the scrum as well. It just, it all fell apart and the Chiefs had no clear path back. Fantasy points, the usual suspects. Richie Moe, he got it going. 88 points. Fantasy man of the round. Um, He had 11 tackle busts. He just, we're discussing, he just slides off people. Uh, And otherwise, as I said, usual suspects. Havili, 71 points. Will Jordan, 66 points. Mitch Dunshay came on off the bench, 64 points. That was pretty huge. huge Betu Douglas, huge. our super sub, 57 points. Fying a Nuka, 55. And one chief worth mentioning, just to keep Nelson happy, DMAC, 49 points, still going strong. Um, this was a game for fantasy points. And, I mean, look, Nelson said last week there was more statistical analysis with Brendan uh, Shields on the pod. But I'll just go back to what we always say, just pick the Crusaders. We're done. Yeah, it's fair. Very good. All right, Nabunk, do you want to take us through the Blues and the Highlanders? Yep, we saw uh, returning James Lynch, who came back from a really nasty injury uh, last year, and he did look big, uh, and he looked shredded, and he looked fit. He looked like a yeah. He's been doing some some hard work on the off in the off season. He's one of those um, t- hundred kilo flankers, but he yeah, he's, well, well, Tony Brown said he's over one hundred and ten kegs. Didn't that's he? what I mean. Like he's he's like a typical hooper, and everyone is about hundred kilos, and he's just put on another ten kilos of muscle, and 
it, it, mate, he was huge. It was scary to look at. Yeah, no, he did. He did look good for. Um, I think he was on for the first half there. So, yeah, no, he looked pretty decent. So, good um, signs for him coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the injury side of things, we saw Mark Talaya who hobbled off um, at well, halftime. At halftime. At I think. halftime. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's what I thought. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. So, keep an eye out for the casualty ward. Oh, and um, also, of course, Jonah Nareki. Very, very good uh, shout out to him. Of course, yeah, of course. Nareki, obviously, um, well, Wiley won't be too happy with that. <laughs> yeah, Nareki did exactly the same. So, um, but he came off a lot earlier well, as well, didn't he? Nareki, I think, a much more serious injury. So, um, yeah, yeah. Again, keep keep an eye out for the casualty ward on that one. Very good. Um, to the game, what the Blues the Blues dominated the Highlanders, thirty nine to seventeen. Like for me. Um, I actually just thought the Highlanders, they, they just never looked in it. I, don't, I just don't think they rocked up, to be honest. Um, you know, a, apart from a few of the drop balls, the, the Blues were pretty clinical in nearly every single facet of the game. Um, and, you know, I think they're bringing a bit of crusaders about them where uh, Terry Black is, you know, they're structured, composed, patient. Um, I think Black's actually developing into that 10 role, especially when Bodie's not there either. Um, he just seemed like he's in control and leading the men around and, you know, have some kind of structure going on. So um, I think it's good signs for, for black owners there as well. Um, <laughs> um, right, in mate? terms of, I, I just want to bring up, uh, that wasn't how it was supposed to sound, by the way. Um, black owners, mate. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, with the, I just want to bring up the, the, the try that was disallowed with Akiriwani, the, the forward pass to his brother Rico. Um, what? How, how is that not? Uh, how is that yeah. not a try? First Look, I, I, Harry was going to have a blow up here, so I, I might just do a, a little snip of it for you. Yeah. I sent similar enough to him, but absolutely ridiculous. You know, if you're going full pulp. Full pelt, sprinting ahead, you throw the ball, they have to look at where your hands go. His hands were pointing backwards when he released the ball. It was definitely thrown back out of the hands and it drifted forward because he was at full pace. Yes, the ball went forward. No, that is not how they rule this. They actually rule it on where did it come out of the hands. It was an absolutely ridiculous call. But there were a couple other ones throughout this weekend that you know were also dubious, but this one was the biggest for me. I was going to say, what was interesting was we just talked about the Crusaders having their own TMO before the TMO. The Crusaders probably, I think one forward pass got pulled up, but they had about another two or three that were clearly actually forward, uh, just and they got away with. So again, it comes back to consistency would be nice, but um, no, that was uh, it was devastating. But how, how monster of a game did Akira have, Nabung? He was on fire. As a, as a Akira owner, he was obviously devastating. I, I just think that the whole Blues... The Blues pack was just completely dominant. The scrum, the line out, driving malls, um, they just completely dominated the Highlanders pack. And I think that's just where they won it. And yeah, we've talked be about it before, but how disheartening is it being a Highlander when um, the Blues sub off two all black props and bring on two all black props? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, last week they obviously had offer um, coming off the bench as well with Carl. And, um, you know. It's it's ridiculous the, the 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 depth that they have at the moment. Um, they're they're going to be good for this competition. The Blues, yeah, they're going to be very good. Um, 
just in terms of stats, uh, we've got what possessions about half half territories um, in the Blues' favour, sixty to to forty percent. Um, the main side of things was that um, the meters gained were definitely in the Blues' favour, um, four hundred sixty seven to three thirty two. Um, yeah, and, and the Blues just kind of dominated set piece and um, and all of that kind of good stuff too. So from the fantasy man of the match, we saw Akira with 61 points, nine carries, two line breaks, three tackle busts, and one try. Um, his brother Rico, not far behind, Craig's 49 points. Um, and from the Highlanders side of things, Hoskins to two with 47 points. I believe Hoskins also plays for the Blues, but... Um... He does. Oh, sorry. Sorry, yeah. I was thinking of... I was thinking of Mega Early Tool. Sorry. Look, I mean, yeah, fair he, enough. If, he, if you yeah, want Akira yeah. to play eight as well, I get it. You know what I mean? That's fair enough. Uh, you've just blanked him out. I've done that kind of thing before. No worries. But um, no, very good. Um, and I think, yeah, that was... Uh, Blues Highness was a good game, but I think you're right. I think we're all looking forward to uh, the main course previewing the Blues and Crusaders, that top-of-the-table clash. So... Uh, that will do our entree and we will now move on to the main course, um, draft rugby round four. Can Kagi get a win? Uh, let's hope so. Um, especially, I don't know what's bigger, the Crusaders and the Blues this weekend or Nubum versus Kagi in the OG league this weekend. It's, uh, they're both clash of the Titans and, um, Probably have equal viewing numbers, I think. You know, the equal spectators. Um, uh, I'm sure the odds are just much better for. Uh, I'm probably the same as the Crusaders to win, um, and uh, we'll see. How I think so this time, Craig. I, I wanted to know. I want you to know, man. I've I've already done the uh, clean sweep of the the Nabunks, taking them both out, mate. So this is going to be tough for you. This is going to be a clean sweep of losses if you lose this one. Have you not versed Chrissy yet? Uh, I have not. I have not yet. But um, look. more losses to come then. You bring your A game. This is, this, is the, this is the week of. This is the same week every year. I bring my A game, and we'll uh, historically it's worked out well for me. We'll see how we go. All right, and now for the main course, the buys in draft rugby round four, uh, the Brumbies and the Highlanders. Um, so game one, we've got in Super Rugby AU the Rebels and the Horatars. Um, the buy for the Rebels, basically. I think we can all agree. Um, <laughs> No, and, uh, but seriously, I think returning for this game, we've got uh, Jordan Ulysses, the prince that was promised, a.k.a. Nelson. Um, they've said that uh, he should be back. Uh, we were just, uh, I was talking about with the boys beforehand, he's, uh, you know, the mummy, Jordan Ulysses. Basically, they just, uh, he always injures his ankles. His ankles are made of jelly and they just uh, basically tape it up in three or four rolls of tape and um, holds them together, so... He just can't hold the, the weapon that he is above it, mate. Mm. You know how easy it is for um, horses to break a leg or ruin their ankles? Same for him. Look at the size of the bloke. You're comparing him to a horse, Nelson. He needs more legs so that he can share the load, is what I'm saying. Look, he is a massive man. That's very true. Um, I love that Rebels front row, particularly now. I'm falling in love with Kabus Elof, but they're all like six foot five. Like, they're all enormous. <laughs> it is awesome. Look, it is a horrifying front row. I love it. It is. It is. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, the Waratahs, look, we think perhaps their best shot, uh, you know, we sort of joking but also sort of semi-serious here, um, is just starting the Waratahs A-side that uh, beat the Brumbies runners or Brumbies A-side uh, last weekend. Um, you know, when in doubt, why don't you just uh, throw the winning team in? So, um, 
can't really do worse, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I have to see what, what the Waratahs can unveil this week. Uh, the Rebels back at uh, back in Melbourne for their first game. So last year Oops. they had to, had to leave and uh, didn't get to play any games at home. And uh, similar story here, they kind of had to evacuate Victoria for COVID and uh, weren't sure what was going to happen again for the start of Super Rugby AU 2021. But no, they're back home games in at Amy Park. Um, they will look forward to playing in front of their own fans. And uh, look, finally getting that win last week, I think um, will just motivate them more. You know what I mean? I don't think, I think it's actually, it's going to be better that they won last week rather than, you know, you could say really fired up after two losses on the trot. But um, no, I think they will see this as an absolute opportunity to kick a dog while it's down and uh, take the Tars to, uh, to town. What do you guys think? Oh, look, I, I think you're more than likely you're right. Now, I think we should see some passion from the Tars as well. You know, I don't think they've lacked passion. They haven't lacked effort. It just hasn't come together well for them. For me, this is probably not the, you know, not the perfect matchup for the Tars, even though normally would say it would be because the Rebels' defensive line has just been so solid. So the, the Tars are going to have to really improve their handling, really improve their finishing if they're going to be in this one. I think as well, I think the Rebels have really cemented themselves in, you know, as the top three in the conference. Um, they're far better. Well, not they're far better, but they, are, they have showed potential against the, the Reds and the Brums. Um, and it looks like they, I reckon they're going to put, put the Tars to shame, to be honest. Mm. I don't reckon they will. I, I reckon they'll win it, but I don't think they'll put anyone to the sword. I don't think that's how they play. The problem for the Tars, and uh, I don't believe he'll be back this week, but again, check out the casualty ward, is um, they are currently missing Mr. Incredible, uh, Angus Bell. And um, apart from him, look, we love Tizano, but uh, they don't have anyone in the kind of vein of uh, Corabidi or Adi Sevilla who can literally just pick the entire team up on their shoulders and just uh, yeah. win the game. You know, Tizano is heading that way, uh, but he's still a, he's still a youngster. Um, so, yeah, the Tars don't really have some one guy to step up and, you know, lead the Braveheart charge out uh, and leave it all out there. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's definitely going to have to be a combined effort, right? I mean, Swinton, we know what he can do in defence and how it can physically change a game around. We know that, you know, Tizano, he puts in a, a lot of work in, in D. I, I think those two could really lead from the front in that defensive line. We know Marawawa has been running really solid in tight. If he can do that and use some of the other bodies in tight, I mean, they do have some talented outside backs. The issue is getting it to them. Well, that's it. Look, uh, exactly. Look, we do know and we are very excited about the Tars outside backs. Uh, mm. Wanganita Wase, uh, Jack Maddox, um, James Ram. Hey, There's a three yep. young and exciting players. Uh, I think moving Marky Mark to fullback was um, a masterstroke last week. And the commentators, they talked about it a lot. It was because uh, Jack Maddox, growing up, having played a lot of 10 and a lot of... Uh, well, he's played a lot of 10, a lot of 15, and a lot of wing. Um, but particularly, I guess, in his super rugby and wallabies kind of early career, he's played a lot of wing. He has um, really learnt to go looking for the ball and go find how to inject himself off the wing. Whereas uh, Nwanganitawase has had... Uh, a harder time at doing that. He's kind of just more camped out on his wing. So by putting him back at fullback, he's, he's just kind of automatically injecting himself more. Um, and I think that worked really, out really, really well because Maddox yeah. still ends up being mm. back there at fullback half the time. You know, you kind of, they kind of just tr- 
both move back and forth. But um, I thought that was certainly a positive. What did you guys think? Maddox plays his best rugby off the wing for the Rebels when he was top try scorer. He dominated. Um, he, he just, yeah, as he said, he knows. He looks for the ball and he pops up in the right spots. He's got a great rugby mind, no doubt about it. So he just pops up at the right time. Good Johnny on the spot. Yeah, I think it was just a good way to get Noonganitawasi into that game, wasn't it? You just give him, you know, a bit more vision about, you know, space in front of him and he'll inject himself into that game. And when he's standing on the wing, not looking for it, it's very easy for him to go missing. But he wants to play footy. He's a good footy player. It's perfect for him to be in that 15 jersey at the moment, I think. He just needs to learn when to hold the ball, basically. That's yeah. true. He, he does go for an offload about 50% of the time. and um... Entire last year. That's it. It just doesn't come off. Um, I think look, the the Waratahs have shown that they still. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many years we've talked about how the uh, the empty building, which is uh, the Waratahs headquarters, with all these desks with phones and computers on them, that no one's there. But um, they've shown they still uh, don't intend to recruit any players, even though they're well below budget. So Sidaleki Tamani, as we talked about, returning to the force. Uh, personally, would have loved him to come back to the Tars. Um, I know he's a bit old now, but. Um, one more person to, to throw into that discussion is Isaac Rodder. The discussion is he's looking to come back to Australia. He didn't, never wanted to leave. Uh, he just wanted to leave the Reds, which is still, still a bit iffy. But the three teams he's looking to sign for are either the Tars, the Force, or the Rebels. I mean, the, the Force, they're just signing everyone they can. <laughs> like, you, you can't blame them. But the Tars, I mean, we've got a million dollars under the salary cap or more. We need to be getting him. I mean, he's a New South Wales born and bred player. Get him back in the Waratahs. He will be an inspirational leader for us. He will be an important person moving forward. He has to come back to the Tars. I don't think it's the right fit for him in the force either. I think he needs to be back in New South Wales. Well, that's it, isn't it? The force are fast becoming the uh, the Saracens of uh, Australian rugby in that, um, look, obviously they're, they're signing all these players and I'd love to know what how Twiggy's uh, selling the dream over there. So, uh, you know... How many is he just kind of under the table buying them a few Western Australian properties or, um, you know, uh, how exactly is that playing out? But uh, Property's cheap over there, mate. No more mining going on. So all right, well, he's probably good... giving away mines for free then. You know what I mean? Here you go. You have a, you have a few, you know, a thousand acres of land here and there. Just whatever. You can have your own kingdom, basically. Um, Wait, <laughs> this is boring. We're still in the Rebels' Tars. What's our picks here? Uh, I'm going to pick the Rebels to win this game. Um, I think Nabung was saying he convincingly Nelson kind of not so much. Uh, look, I think the Rebels will win this probably by I'm going to go with ten points. So I'm going to I'm going to call it more than that. I'm going more than two scores, 14, 13, 13 plus for the uh, for the tab. <laughs> I'm going to say nine points, three penalties. Oof, one of the the low liar the. Nelson will, until the day he dies, have the uh, the sky blue uh, glasses on the most out of all of us. But um, look, that's... Not wrong. Um, but no, look, <laughs> we talk about, about the Waratahs a lot. Uh, I don't know what the Rebels really need to do. I, the only thing we'd like to see is Campbell Magne come in um, into the outside centres. Stacey Ely has uh, left a lot to be desired, to be frank. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I think the Rebels, they've got a clear game plan um, and they, they're sticking to it. They just seem... Structured. I don't see them really changing anything. And uh, if Corobedi just keeps playing mm. this well, it's going to be hard to um, to stop them, really. So, yeah, we've all given our picks. Uh, I'm going to say the Rebels for this one. But um, let's move on oh, to the next oh. game. The Reds and the Force. 
Yeah, for me, this, this is going to be an interesting one. We'll, we'll see the return, hopefully, of, of lanky Tim Anstey, who was, you know, a revelation in his first match in that sixth jersey for the force. They also likely be missing Tony Pulu, which it sounded like he had another little ankle injury. Um, for this one, look, I mean, the Reds, they're, they're going to be on a high. They got that win in Canberra for the first time in, I think it was seven years. Whether that negatively affects them, I, I just don't think it can. I don't think Thorne will let them, you know, let their guard down after that win. They they, uh, they have a few things that they still need to improve on and, and Thorne addressed that after the match and he actually came out and said it that, you know, they're still not happy. They still got a lot to work on. So I, I think they're just going to lift again and this will be a big one for them. The Force as well, if they got their first win since 2017, it sounds a whole lot worse because they weren't there for a few years in Super Rugby. But, yeah, their last win was their last year prior to last season in 2017 when they absolutely whooped the Waratahs in their final match. So it's one of those things people say you get that monkey off the back. Once you get that first win, you know, it's a bit easier to, to repeat that moving forward. So it'll be interesting to see how they play in this one. But last year in these two matchups, first of all, the Reds won 31-25, which was pretty close. And I think that was in Queensland. And then in Perth, the, the Reds won 57 to 5. So the Force are going to hope, be hoping not to let that be a you know, re- repeat performance of that because that was pretty, pretty embarrassing for them. Uh, there's a lot of selection headaches here. Craig, were you going to say something? I was going to say, look, you know, my initial reaction is I think it'll be closer to the second one, a, a bigger scoreline. But having said that, you know, we've talked about uh, every week in the, in the previews, we talk about. The Force are a team that have really up to their defence. Their entire game plan is built on their defence of just um, creating this wall and doing a really good job of that. But the problem is that they really lack an attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so for mine, it's really just, I don't think they're capable of scoring enough points um, to, to beat the Reds. But, uh, you know, and they, how long can they hold out this relentless Reds attack, basically? But... Um, well, anyway. I mean, I think you can hear the the Tim Sanson speeches to the boys, kind of like you know we've been kicked out of the competition, we've got our chance, we're doing it for our state, all this sort of stuff, and I think that can unite you to so much. And I think that's going to unite you in defence and you know holding tight, making those extra efforts. I don't think it can make you score tries. No, and also those twi- those Twiggy um, game bonuses. You know, Twiggy would be like, look, if you beat the Reds, um, I'll buy you each a small island um, somewhere. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, well, they yeah. all say you can build a game on defence, but when, when you've got literally zero attack, I think they're really going to struggle against the Reds. I think so. Look, there's, there's a couple um, selection headaches for the Reds in this one. You've got Brendan Payne and Mosar finally back making his return off the bench last week, and Alex Murphy. Do you guys think that we're going to still see Murphy stay there and, and you know, BPA have to work his way back in over time? I, I think so. Murphy's been in good form. Yeah, I think I think at least another week. You know what I mean? Like, Brad yeah. Thorne is, is big on earning it. Um, and certainly <clears> BPA, obviously, Wallaby's starting hooker by, by the end of 2020. But um, And he did look good when he came back on. But I think, I think it'll certainly be one more game at least. Yeah, look, I think we say it every week or every year, you know, that these guys swap who the starting role is every single year. So it's Murphy's year, so he's going to keep starting. It's true. Simple as that. Um, the other one was Hamish Stewart. You know, 
if you talk to any Reds fans, they absolutely love him. And, and it's due to his effort. I think he puts a lot of effort in around the park. He's basically a back rower for them who, who's got some good playmaking skills. You know, he's, he's very solid in defense. He has, you know, decent work rate in defense as well. But for me, it's interesting. Like some of the stuff that they're losing from having him on the field, we're starting to see more and more of from Pace Army. He's that little mm. kick he put in in the back end of the last game. He's adding in chips. He's adding in just a bit more creativity. For me, he's a perfect 12. He's an absolutely perfect 12. And the, there's too many puzzle pieces in this Reds back line. So someone's yeah. going to miss out. Paisama, think- he's, he's an early Ma Nonu-esque, isn't he? You know, Nonu kind of started as just this hard ball runner, hard hitter, certainly a bit of lack of discipline. Uh, and then he just added, built that and added layers to his game. And by towards the end of his career, Nonu just had the, you know, he was almost a playmaker first, his beautiful passes, his great kicking game, rubbers and everything. And Paisami, obviously very junior in his career, but um, we know, check, we can say he's got the hard running lines, the hard hitting, the ill discipline. He's, you know, <laughs> one of the concerns about picking him up is uh, how many weeks is it until he gets your red card. But um Look, certainly something we've been seeing some of that playmaking prowess come um, come out slowly this year. So, yeah, it's got to be. I, I, I think you've got to think about of, of it in the long run as well. Um, you know, ideally, you'd like to have Vasami and Pattaya building the links, getting more games under their belt. Um, obviously, I think they've been they're relatively. They, they feel like I feel like last last week they didn't have that strong link, especially with Pattaya dropping a lot of ball. But, you know, thinking about the future, you want to see Pasami at 12, Pattaya at 13. That, that could eventually be the Wallabies 12 and 13, to be honest yeah, as well. That's true. I and think... also the 11 and 14 uh, in Filippo D'Aguno. And uh, I can't believe it's been this long and I haven't said Suliasi Vunivalu's name yet on the <laughs> podcast. So, um, and and uh, Stuart's, Stuart's also a good, he's a good bench player. He can play 10, 12 and 15. That's very true. Yeah. Look, the, the interesting thing for me here is, Last year when we saw some silliness coming out of the hands of Pattaya, they, they moved him back out to the wing. They said, no, look, mate, you're not doing that well at outside centre. Shoved him to the wing, shoved him to the bench on a couple of occasions. And I think it's playing on his mind here because we're just seeing a, a different Pattaya for me this year. You know, he, he looks very reserved, very unsure in his decision-making. And I don't think it's helping his game. I think you've just got to tell him, play your footy, stick him on the wing and let him just get involved as he needs to because right now he's looking overstressed. See, what, what not I, a good... Yeah, I was going to say, well, I, look, I, I get what you're saying. What I like about Pattaya at 13 is just that amount of extra space. Look, as, a, as a winger, you know, obviously it's great to have these one-on-ones and, um, you know, be able to finish and whatnot. And we certainly know he can do that. But in the 13 channel, when you give him that extra width, um, he can just really easily beat or draw two people in and, and yeah. offload. You know, he, he's, he, he's going to be such a good creator from that 13. He's, he's, he's just going to learn that he doesn't need to create something at every single play or every single touch of the ball. That's true. Well, I think that was his issue last year, right? He was throwing offloads all the time. This year, he's unable to create something because he's just dropping it nonstop. Like... He's overthinking it. He's over-worrying. So I wouldn't be overly surprised if we see him shifting to a wing or shifting to the bench in these next couple of weeks. And for me, this is a good game to do it, right? Maybe it's a good game for him to build that confidence. But if we do see a different 12-13, we see Stewart linking up with Pace Army again, it could be this week for me 
you know, give him a bit of a lesson, make him work his way back in and settle down because he's not settled. But again, Vernavalu looked very flustered and very unsettled last week. His, his try, I think he had a very good, you know, timing to, to run onto that ball and, and finish that try off. But other than that, he dropped the ball cold. He got caught out two, three times in defence where he had tries scored against him. So could we see him drop to the bench and, and work his way back in with little snippets of time and have to work on that defence and Pattaya start on the wing? I mean, there's a possibility. Look, I, uh, yeah, I just, you go yeah, I just think you need to give these guys a bit more time in their, in their positions. You, you don't really want to try and change a back line where you guys have just beaten Brumbies for the first time in a long time in a GIO. So It's pretty much despite Pattaya. It was barring that last play. It was despite Pattaya and barring yeah. that try, despite Vunivalu. And in fact, I yeah. think Vunivalu was a reason why they didn't win that game by two, three tries. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. Thorne is a very hard coach. I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a bit of a shuffle there. But look, hopefully they they pick and stick, and we get to see them build these combinations. Uh, on onto the other side with the force. I mean, are they going to start Domingo Miotti already? Because that's what we know they need, right? Get Domingo Miotti on. Get Jack McGregor on to add a bit more, you know, starch in that attack and a bit more excitement in that attack. He slot into first receiver a lot of times when he came on last week. He wasn't necessarily brilliant, but he, he did finish off a good try. He did get himself involved. Yeah. Keep him a shot at 15. Like, oh, I, I'd well, mate, they're see- going to... Yeah, they're going to have to do something different because the way they're playing right now is they're not going to beat the Reds the way they're playing. So they're going to have to definitely do something different. They need to go all out attack, mate. They need to get Miotti on and they need to put Jack McGregor as fullback. That's it. That's that's exactly what we've said. Uh, They've got the defence side figured out, but yeah, they just need some attack. And uh, I mean, look, Jake McIntyre, I mean, what the hell does he actually offer? Let's be honest. Um, Bit bit rough, but yeah, he's... he's (laughs) No, he mate, been, I'm not having. <laughs> he hasn't been led. Why John Lance ahead of him? You know what I mean. Yeah. But look, uh, look, they, they also just made far, far too many errors. As, as you said, McIntyre, um, mm. he actually missed kicking the ball out on three occasions. Oh, mate, yeah, you mate. Can't that. three occasions. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, also, oh, oh. their the line-out throws, Kaitu. I mean, you can't win a rugby game when you just lose your own line out. You get down in their position, you get a penalty, you kick it out, and you just give them the ball back. Or you don't kick it out. Those two were very influential in their loss last week. Yeah. Kaitu'u had a lot of positives. But, mate, you don't play this week. Learn to throw a ball straight, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> you did but have a good fantasy game, game though. The, the, the mate, problem yeah, for Kaitu, mate, is Andrew Reddy's got a, a red card for a couple of weeks. So the only reserve yeah. they have is Jack Winchester, the uh, like 19-year-old. Uh, so somehow I can't <laughs> see that happening. But um, now, all right, look, in, this, in terms of this game, what do, we, what do we say? Look, I think we can all agree we're going to see the Reds winning. But uh, by just go how big. much? Go big, Reds mate. by 24 points. I'll, no. I'll, I'll go a bit less than that. Uh, let's make it 17 all right, well, I like an outlier, so Reds by 25, mate. Uh, just everything above that sounds good. I'll uh, cop that one in <laughs> from your fantasy tipping. But um, no, very good. I'm, I'm excited to see how this one turns out. Um, those, reds, red outsides, those Reds outside backs, they're just unbelievable. It is, it is interesting, yeah, losing a bit of the playmaking with Hamish Stewart. But um, it'll be interesting to see if Jock Campbell can uh, 
you know, he's more of a typical fullback, but can he kind of slide into more of a first receiver role now and then? Because I yeah. think Jock does, Jock has been brilliant, but I think he does need someone to be able to stand on the other side of the field in a first receiver now and then. And um, Paisami mm. has yeah. done it a little bit, but um, Jock doing that would make a huge difference. Look, if this back line can gel, this is a world-class back line, you know, yeah. just absolutely br- like brilliant in terms of, a, a, you know, the attacking play at the very least, right from nine through to 15. So hopefully we see these boys gel and just start to put on bulk points every week. I'm, I'm changing my tip. They're going to go, they're going to go big 20, 27, <laughs> 30, 30 plus, mate. I know you haven't been on the pod for a while, mate, but I'm um, sorry. There's no, t- it's touch, move, touch, take. We'll talk to you in chess terms, mate. You know this. Uh, can't, uh, none of that. Sorry, mate. It's, um, no uh, Queen's what, game. Why don't you take... Neighbor, take us through the Hurricanes and the Chefs, please. Well, um, we should, for this one, see the return of the grub, Dane Coles. Um especially with the Safa Moore out, even though they have good depth with uh, Ricky Riccitelli. Um, we should see Dane Coles. Um, and for the chefs, uh, as a Lachlan Boschier owner, I'm really anticipating um, his return. So check out the casualty ward for this one. Um, everyone's been holding their breath for this. I'm hoping this week, this week that he starts on the bench. Um, do we know anything further, guys? No, but I've been on the phone, no, Matt. I've told him to hold out another week. It's not, don't rush it back. Um, there's no need. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have a question. Noobum, I have a question. If they bring Lock and Boshier back in, do they just drop out Sam Kane? Is that what they're going to do to make their back row the best? I am a big Sam Kane fan as well. So, so no. Lock and Boshier will play six. Do you mean the All Blacks captain and All Blacks player of the year last year, Sam Kane? Is that who we're talking about? Um, ask Nels the question, mate. Ask Nels the question. Mm. Don't know who, look, I'm a big Kane fan, but I'm a bigger Boshier fan. No, I don't think no, you sound like a particularly big Kane fan. But anyway, look, moving on. Um, so just no Boshier, please. Let's uh, take note of that. Good. Um, Ho- and- hopefully he's on the bench. But we'll see. Um, is this, this is the opportunity for these two teams. They're, they're both zero from two. Um, so whoever wins this one, if it's a draw, it's going to be very interesting. But um, yeah, it's, I, it's I, think, I think no, I think they brought they brought in Super Time in um, in Super Rugby yeah. Alta Roa this year as well. They didn't have it last year, but they have this year. So no draw possible, which is good. Yeah, that's right. Kiwis yeah, are bringing in all these rules that, uh, that we have. Hmm. Um, still so someone's sorry, else. Sorry, our draw is still possible. Um, every yeah. the, after the two five minutes, nothing's happened. Then it's a draw. It's a draw. Yeah, right. Out. There you go. But e- either way, it's it's an opportunity for um, you know one of the teams to get off the bottom of the ladder. Um, for the Chiefs, I think it's especially big because if I'm not wrong, I don't know. Well, either one of you guys can correct me. Um, if they lose this, then it's the longest streak. Longest losing streak a Kiwi team has ever had. Is that right? That's true. They've equaled it this week, losing to the Crusaders, but next week they will surpass it. And they're also, in this this matchup, it's been seven matches since they've beaten the Hurricanes. There was one draw in there, but they've lost five of the last six and drawn one. Yeah, right. And they're playing at the cake team. Is that right, too, as well? Do we know that? Yep. Yeah. Well, there you go. So the, the Chiefs, they've got a lot to lose here. 
Um, and, and they've always kind of, what, the last two games that they've played, they've always started strong, as we've discussed previously. It's whether they can actually put in an 80-minute performance. Um, it's, for me, I, I really think they're still, their, their forward pack is, is missing a lot, um, especially the tight five. Um, and uh, so, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see how they go. Um, yeah, I think I think it's about whether whether they um, obviously play a full eighty minute uh, a game, but uh, they get out to such an amazing start. Can they put enough points on the board to just like you know get ahead far enough to put enough doubt in the mind of the Hurricanes? You know, what I mean they they start really well when they bag one try, but then they they've fallen apart in the next 10, 15 minutes or so. So they really need to push through the, to the first half an hour. Yeah, but is it fitness? What's wrong with them? Is it fitness? Is it mindset? Mm. I don't know. I think there's just something a little bit missing there for the that's a, that's a really good question because when they're in that first 10, 15 minutes, it, it looks like, you know, they're unbeatable, really, just the way they're playing. So I don't know how the wheels fall off. It can't be fitness when you're 15 minutes into a game. Uh, obviously, yeah, last yeah, week true. is not a good example because they had, um, you know, a deci- pretty big pivotal decision go against them. But um, yeah. the week yeah, before... Look up. Can't answer why they why how it all fall fell apart. Yeah, look, it's quite tricky to 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 you know think of the same outcome from those two matches. Yes, they both started them well. The biggest thing to take out of this is they start matches well. Last week it was changed, I think, by refs' decisions. So if they can start this match strong, they actually have a solid chance to to continue on and win this match. If they can't start well, I don't know, wheels are going to fall off. Yeah, and I think, you know, a part of it actually has to do with the, the Chiefs 10 at the moment. Um, I don't think Gatlin has been that great. I think he's actually been pretty poor. I think he's kicking games kicking games off. There are a lot of times where he's kicking out in the full that I can just remember at pivotal moments. And he's just I think he's just struggling a little bit to control the tempo. Um, you know, where his forwards are at times. And there are just so many unforced errors um, when there doesn't need to be. And especially the only thing for me is, is being against the Hurricanes is that he's up against gun batshit. And, um, you know, that could actually be a, be a matchup for Gatlin. Which is you mean he, he'll, he'll go into it confident this time instead of uh, exactly right. up against Richie yeah. Moanga? Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's interesting in that... Um, you know, we talked a little bit about, and we'll get to, I guess, again with the, the Blues preview, but we've talked about Otero Black um, just finally kind of being what the Blues have needed, you know, a calm, cool head, some offering some composure and some structure. I think Bryn yeah. Gatland kind of brings that, like he plays that way, but it's actually, that's not how the Chiefs need a 10. If you think about mm-hmm. all the Chiefs' really good 10s mm-hmm. in the last few years, Aaron Cruden, even DMAC playing a little bit of 10. It's um, not their DNA, is it? No, exactly. They need a 10 who just throws caution to the wind and, uh, and goes full whack at it. So um, I don't know how he will kind of adapt and mould into that. But um, I think, you know, they, the Chiefs uh, staff at the moment have said they're fully backing him to, uh, you know, bring Gatlin another couple of weeks or whatnot. But, um, you know, if Caleb Trask is uh, fit and fully available, uh, I think, um, you know, for, for mine, I mean, I haven't seen enough, but... The youngster, Rivez Rahana, or however you say his name. Um, he, he just loves the hype train. I do. Well, I, you know, I love a hype train, man. I am the hype train. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he seems exciting. Uh, you know, another kind of fullback slash 10 that um, I just throw him in. You know what I mean? Why not? What have the Chiefs got to lose, mate? 
They've already lost everything. Rugby. They have to lose <laughs> the rugby. Mate. They've lost so everything. Gatlin yeah. is a, a skilled operator. He has not been showing it, I think, very much in the last few weeks. But I do think he needs some experience around him and players, you know, making his life easier, which they haven't done. As, as Nubum oh, touched on earlier, their, their tight five hasn't been doing the job for them that they need to give him a good platform. You know, they had Anton and Brown on the bench last week. He had Tapia there, you know, not very influential. I, I, yeah. He just needs the people around him to make his life easier. He's definitely well. not doing it at the moment. Yeah. It doesn't help that his daddy's not there too. So, um. <laughs> very good. I'm sure he doesn't uh, listen too much. Yeah, I think, I think, look, they'll certainly have a better platform this week. Um, you know, it's not a Chiefs forward pack going up against the Crusaders and getting torn yeah. to shreds. So certainly they can expect their line out and scrums to offer them a lot more. Uh, so I think this week will be, well, this will really be a very telling week in terms of Bryn Gatland uh, and his career at the Chiefs. So we'll have to see how it Well, happens. while we're still, yeah, while we're still on the Chiefs, what do we think about the, the centre pairing? The old, the old debate. The debate rages um, on. Well, obviously it's, uh, where do you want, it, it starts with where do you want Anton Leonard Brown? Do you want him at 12 or 13? In 13, he offers more in attack. Uh, and in 12, he kind of offers exactly what we were just talking about that um, a lot more support to a, to a young 10. Um, and, you know, defensively, he's rock solid there. Personally, I love seeing him at, a, at 13. I just think that yeah, he, same. Can, he can score more points from there. Um, and the, and the, I think the way we've thought about it previously is that if you have Anton Leonard-Brown at 13, Alex Nankavell should probably be your first choice 12 uh, with Tapia, who's more of a 13 rather than a 12. But... Um, I, d- I don't know how where Na- Tapia and Nankavell sit in the rankings. I think Sean Wainui, who's been playing 13 the last couple of weeks, um, I-, I think people have easily forgotten Sean Wainui was largely a centre. Uh, he played centre at yeah. the Crusaders as well. Um, yeah. But, yeah um, the, the issue is he hasn't really done much. You know, no, he, I, he I hasn't really see done Wainui back to the wing. Um, and then yeah. They rate him, though. They love Wainui. Mm-hmm. Look, the, the biggest thing for them is... They've done this for a few years now where they're rotating between their centres. Pick a centre pairing and yeah. stick with the centre pairing yeah. because it yeah. is not working, shifting them in and out every single week. I don't yeah. get Anton and Brown on the bench last week. Maybe it was something uh, to do with was, him. It was injury-related last week. He, uh, yeah, a niggle or something. Well, yeah. give him the week off. Mm. Don't put him on the bench. Give him a week off. But you want to drag that injury throughout... Yeah, throughout the season, like realistically, they've just got to pick and stick. And for me, they're more than likely if they're going to pick and stick, it's it's Tapia. I'd love to see Nankavell, and I'd love to it to be him, but I I just don't think he is their long term future and in their plans long term. Even though I think he's he's had some brilliant matches, and and he even earned that centre jersey at the back end of last year above Tapia. But they're going to pick and stick. They need to pick and stick, and I think yeah. it means. We see Anton Leonard Brown and we see Tapia. It'll, it'll just give the 10 as well a little bit something to work with, a bit of consistency for him in his, exactly. in his own mindset. And, and he's I think, played a couple of games and had different centre pairings, each, different guys outside him each week. That's it. Yeah. I, I also think you're right. Anton Leonard Brown needs to kind of be settled in one of the jerseys. Like, obviously, yes, he can easily play 12 or 13, but the same, same as picking and sticking with either Nankavell or Tapia, I think ALB needs to just be put in one jersey and stay there as well, you know? I think just that consistency of selection. Um, and look, Tapia could very well be a 12. I think I see Tapia in a very similar mould to Hunter Paisami. 
Um, mm. Similar type of player, developing a similar skill set. I don't think we've seen him put out as many big hits, but he he's quite capable of that. In uh, certainly in the provincial competition, he, he was laying the people out. So um, anyway, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. For mine, you, you have Nana Suturo and Sean Wainui on your wings, um, yeah. and yeah, you're going to have ALB and Tapia in the centres. So. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and from the uh, from the Hurricanes side of things, obviously, um, Artie Sevilla is going to carry the Canes on his back. But there are other players in the team. Um, so we've got a Ferrari. We've got a Ferrari in the garage. When are we going to use him? As in Nani La Marpe? That's it. The mini bus. Um, it's been very interesting how they have used him in 2021. Um, really, like as a, almost as a diversion, you know, he's, uh, we spent our whole uh, pre-season preview talking about how good Lamarpe is going to be um, and how simple a plan it is when you just give him the ball. It doesn't even matter that uh, it's not like the other teams have learnt that Lamarpe is this wrecking ball mm-hmm. and uh, they can't do anything about it. It doesn't even matter. Just give him the ball. Even if they know yeah. he's getting it, just I, let I him think- run the ball. But uh, he's been passing all game. What's been going on? I think one of two things are happening. They're either giving everyone a false sense of security and goes, he's not that good anymore. And then they'll just unleash him and he'll just run through every single person in front of him. Or they're just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, why else? What else are you doing? It's got to be something, you know, you're hiding. Are you trying to, are they trying to make people worry about the others around him? Like, I, I don't really get it at the moment. They've just been saving it up for this game to really have yeah. Lamarpe score four tries against the Chiefs this week. He's going to unleash. Know, they've they've unleash got one of the better. Week. They've got one of the better set of pairings in the in Aotearoa with Lamarpe and Umanga Jensen. So they've got to use the two beasts in tandem. That's it. Um, yeah, and I think look, the only other real questions uh, around the Hurricane side uh, is that back row. Um, yeah. I think for, for mine, uh, look, you know, Reed Princip is a bit of a workman, but um, I've never been particularly that big of a fan of his. And I just think they've got better options. You know, I think, I think you really, their best back row and, and what they will want for this game, for quite a fast game with the Chiefs is Ardy at eight, Duplessis Karifi at seven, and then either Fafita or, or Flanders in at six. Um, I just yeah. think that will complement them the best. Really? Just depends on how many yellow cards they want. Do they want to get two yellow cards and give Kariffi <laughs> the chance to do that, or do they want to bring him on later? They're going to Fair call. Fair call. Um, how do we see this? How do we? How does? How does this play out, fellas? What do we reckon? I, well, I think I'll pro- probably be on the other side of the fence than you boys. I, I think the Chiefs are going to get this one done. I think it will be, you know, them starting early. I think Anton Leonard Brown, you know, back in the starting jersey will be a good thing for him as well. And he'll be hungry after seeing the boys go down again last week. I think they'll get it done. And in a tight one, I'd say by, you know, three to five points. Yeah, I'll go next. I see the uh, Canes taking this one out at home at the Cake Tin. And, um, yeah, I see, uh, Lama- I see. look, it's going to be a day for the buses. Uh, Lamape and uh, the OG bus Sevilla having a field day. Uh, I just, I think the Canes will get up to this one. Oh, um, Sorry, I'll, score. I'll say, I'll say Canes by uh, 10 points. Ooh, that's a big margin. Mm. Um, I'm with you on this one, Craigs. I reckon the Canes, like Nell said, probably by three to five, just with home advantage. Very so good. The, the, the easy bet, right, is you go the home team one to 12. Easy bet. 
You guys aren't that exciting. Chiefs are going to win. Again, Gamble responsibility. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's round it out with the final fixture of the week. And uh, as I said in the reviews earlier, the uh, Reds-Brumbies was the game of the round. I haven't even watched these fixtures yet, but I can tell you this will be the game of the round. The Blues taking on the Crusaders in, uh, on Sunday afternoon in Auckland. This was the, the t- uh, top of the table clash we were denied last year because of COVID. It was kind of one of the last fixtures uh, the whole season was kind of building up to it. Not that actually by that point, uh, the Blues could knock off the Crusaders. I don't yeah, think. Yeah. I think the Crusaders had already won. Um, yeah. But this is this game we've all been waiting for. The clear first and second at top of the table. Um, yes, uh, Sunday game has been annoying because uh, we're going to have to wait for Friday for lineups. It's, kill- it's been killing us as fantasy managers. But um, look, uh, when we get into the lineups, I think they're pretty settled anyway. So. Um, in terms of returning for the Crusaders or returning players for both teams, Crusaders, do we see Ethan Blackadder um, come back for this one? Uh, he had kind of just, I think it was a concussion uh, in the game before. They have the bye uh, next week, so you know they don't have to rush him back in. Um, and similarly with Cullen Grace, who I think had like a minor rib injury and it was kind of, you know, we don't need to play him last week. Um, you know, don't show the respect to the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, they'll want their, their best team on the park this week. So do we see either of them come back in? Um, Sione Havili and where, the, uh, the Uber driver, where to uh, Douglas? Um, you know, I mean, look, Vetu had an awesome game last week. So it'll kind of be hard to, to sit him out this week. But um, he'll be starting. He'll be starting. That's good positive reinforcement. I like it. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's the only players I can see returning for this this week. Uh, injuries we, we had. Well, sorry, we don't really do injuries. But Mark, the big question for the Blues will be if Mark Talaya is um, out injured, who comes in? So uh, Imani Narawa came on uh, and played the second half last week. Scored a try. Had a pretty good outing. Um, he was he's a very very exciting player. So um, yeah. do we just see him slot straight in, or we could possibly see Tanyelu Talaya? Um, Slotting, yeah, he's played on the wing before. Nelson, you're a big fan of his. Yeah, I'm, I'm a massive fan of his. But look, I mean, I, I think they do see him more as a centre option. For me, you, you look at the back end, well, you look at that match last week, they they chose to put, um, they chose to keep Nareki, uh, who did who did they come on for? <laughs> Mate, it's getting late, it's midnight. Um, Blues, it was... What? Oh, they put Narawa on, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Narawa on, yeah. Uh, so I think it'll be our time to see him, you know, wear that wing spot, get get that chance. He was in that same breath um, as uh, Nareki, you know, last year preseason coming into it after a big one of ten cup. So yeah, I, I think we'll get to see him start. I'm he was talented. He, he, I'm, I'm excited by him, Craig. Mm-hmm. Are you going to say that? Yeah, absolutely. He was. I think he was one of the top try scorers in Mitre Ten, as Nels was alluding to. He actually he, he played a lot more fullback than wing. Um, but yeah, he's an inc- he's a very exciting player, Narawa. Of course, there's my player I talked all preseason about. Who I know we could see slide onto the bench. Then uh, the very young Zahn Sullivan, um, who's you know Will Jordan 2.0. Uh, that's that's some big raps there. But um, anyway, it'll be exciting to see what happens there. I think you're right, Nels. I think to let Tan- even though it could be easy to just sub a Talaya for a Talaya, uh, we'll probably see <laughs> yeah. Tanielu Talaya on the bench because, um, yeah, he can cover. He needs to cover that centre, but also can cover any, you know, wings as well. Um, I guess while we're on the Blues, yeah, the rest of the back line's pretty set. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting that um, 
that they have such attacking weapons uh, in Caleb Clark, Rico Iwani, and Talea, or not this week, Talea, that um, it allows them to effectively run three tens on the field. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about the double playmaker, the, the role of either having your second playmaker in twelve in the 12 jersey or the 15 jersey, a.k.a. Kirtley Beal. Um, the Blues have three tens on the field. Harry Plummer, Stephen Parafranchise, and Otero Black, they're all tens. That's their main position they play. Uh, look, I know Harry Plummer has... Well, he's probably played a lot of his career at 12 as well. But, um, look, I mean, he took Auckland through to win the uh, Mitre 10 Cup last the year before last uh, as the 10. Um, and it's really fascinating. I think um, they, they all three of them slot in as first receiver throughout the play and, um, and are directing around the attack. They're all capable of cross-field kicks that chips through. It's really hard to defend against when you've got... Um, you know, a, a 10 on either side of the, uh, of the field. And, you know, it's just, it's really, it's, it's, it's quite difficult. It's adding this new dimension in, but um, anyway, in terms of the blues, the only other, um, I guess, selection que- uh, queries I can see are um, Kirk, e- Kirk Eklund, Kurt, Kurt, Kirk, Kurt, far out, Jesus. We'll get there. Um, does he slot back into the starting Jersey? So they had a literary Tolai starting this week. Um, I guess the only thing I can think of I is Tolai. Tolai's a lot of a bigger body. Perhaps they might want him uh, for these scrums against the Crusaders, but um, otherwise, we don't know what that was about. Was Eklund just getting a rest? Was, uh, you know, they're trying to keep him competitive? I don't know. I don't know what too much I think about Tolai. He hasn't really excited me that much. Um, but uh, there's that. And then the only other one is the locks. Uh, the 20-year-old Sam Derry... Um, and, you know, he had a really good game, I thought. Uh, he's very exciting uh, and very highly touted prospect. Um, can he hold out the likes of Gerard Kelly, Tuioti and uh, Josh Goodhue? I'm not not sure. It would seem... You wouldn't think so, but um, he did certainly have a very good game. What do you guys think? Yeah, look, I, I don't see Dairy or Dairy getting that starting jersey again. I think they gave him a chance. I think he did pretty well. But, I mean... Kelly Tuioti, uh, Goodhue are, are both very experienced campaigners. So I'd be very surprised if we didn't see one of them back in that starting jersey for me. And Kurt Eklund, I think he's their choice. They're, they're hooker for the year. I think it was a, a week that they were either giving him a rest or maybe he was carrying a niggle or something along those lines. They were giving him a bit of a freshen up, but I think we'll see him start again too. Yeah, you're up against the Crusaders. You're going to be playing these experienced guys. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. Um, and yeah, speaking of the Crusaders, um, oh, sorry, last thing with the Blues is just flip a coin for which All Black props start. You know, who knows? But um, we'll see. Um, you know, maybe they do start offering Big Carl again because it's the Crusa- uh, Crusaders, but uh, who knows? Uh, Crusaders, I don't really see them changing much. We talked about if there's Blackadder or Cullen Grace. Um, that's really about it. You know what I mean? The rest of the team kind of picks itself. Joe Moody was on Moody the bench last right, week, yeah. so probably straight back into starting Joe, the grub moody. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, white lock Barry, all kinds of picks itself. And then the back line. Yeah. You just need to have Will Jordan on the field and probably at fullback. So, you know, David Havili, Mm. fantastic fullback, but, um, yeah, he's a He's just fantastic. Everything. So I think, how do you, how do you keep all these players on the field? You play Havili at 12, basically. Um, I think, you know, Sever Reese and Fying and Nuku have been unbelievably good. It's going to be really hard to drop either of them. Um, and Havili still had a field day at 12. You know what I mean? He he slots back and forth uh, kind of around. It's a bit of a more roaming position from him. But um, 
yeah, I, I don't really see them changing anything, the Crusaders. I think it'll be um, business as usual. So um, how do we see this game going? I think we'll probably all agree on the results, I think. But uh, I'll go first. I see the Crusaders winning this one, the uh, low-hanging fruit. Um, I think it'll be a close game, though. I think, uh, you know, it'll be maybe Crusaders within seven, I'd say. Yeah, look, I, I'm going to echo that. I, I think this is the Blues' chance to get their win against the Crusaders. I think the Crusaders have been a little bit off their game. A, a few things went their way last week. Um, I just don't think they've been as solid as we have seen in previous years, despite some individual brilliance. Uh, Manu Monga, I think, found his you know fancy feet back again last week, sl- stepping inside many people and creating a lot of opportunities. But yeah, look, I think the Crusaders will get this one done, but I think it will be tight. I'll, I'll go with the Crusaders by three. Mm. No, yeah, a bit of call and response. I will say the same. Um, okay. Obviously, be different. <laughs> don't want to say the Blues. No, it's um, it's going to be the Crusaders by, let's just say, 10. Oof, 10, all right. And before I move on, I realise I just talked a lot about lineups and players and whatnot, but I guess the keys to this game for me, very simple. It'll be that matchup, Richie Moanga versus uh, Otero Black. So Black really needs to lock it down. And then it will be what I think the Blues are much more capable of this year is playing the full 80 minutes. That's literally been their downfall the last uh, two years or so. We always talk about the Crusaders score some insane, like 75% of their points in the last 20 minutes or something. I think the Blues are going to be well well ready for that this time. Um, yeah, yeah, I think the Blues just look like a much more calmer composed team and it will be, can they keep that? You know, like if they get one or two bad refing decisions against them, you know, do they crumble or can they just you know, keep it together. That will, that will ultimately be... Uh, the, I think the Crusaders showed as well that they really upped their discipline last week. You know, the week before they had heaps of penalties, but um, last week, not, not the case. So anyway, it'll be an interesting one. Um, the Crusaders, they're going to take it out. Simple, easy choice, but very good. Yeah. That will do us for the main course. Uh, and of course, that brings us to a very quick deserto. What's a god? What's a god with that? Deserto. Uh, that's right. You knew it was coming, Nelson. Um, do we have a sponsor for dessert this week, Nelson? Yeah, we do, man. It's uh, it's Pilk ice cream. Pilk is uh, plant-based ice cream. Very, very tasty. Pretty much tastes like ice cream, which is surprising. You know, <laughs> you, you have all these strange, weird, wonderful, you know ice cream rip-offs out there that that's what they seem like but pilk it actually tastes like ice cream it is it is good quality stuff so hopefully we'll get some more of that in our hands craigs i don't know have you, have you t- boys tasted it i have not tasted the pilk of, uh, yet but um what, what did you think uh Nubum? yeah it's very good mate very good it's actually tastes just as good as ice cream it does very surprising Wowzers. Well, we seem this uh, the drive rugby show seems to exclusively uh, attract ice cream sponsors. Um, so, uh, mate, look, it's I, dessert. It's dessert. What, what else do you have for dessert? Mate, I'm happy to get some main course and entree uh, sponsors as well. You know what I mean? That's um, still, waiting for, still waiting for backline wines to come through, aren't we? Just um, you know, just uh, any. Which we, we tried Penfolds. Mate, they're all playing in America. They're all playing in America. So. Well, all right. Anyway, look, let's move on. Nels, why don't you take us through it? This was uh, your baby. The um, 
after three rounds of draft rugby, who has impressed? Who are the newcomers? Who are the you know day oneers? Um, and who are fantasy managers? Draft rugby fantasy managers lining up for to uh, pick as free agents in their team or trade for? Take us through it, Nelson. Look, I mean, there's not too much in depth here. It's just looking at some numbers. But look, we've done the top standard players, the players that we expect to be doing well, and the top surprises. We jump into the standard players first. For Lau Fanga, he's only had one game, but he's off to a really solid start with a 70-point average. Cody Taylor, another hooker, 66-point average. Then we have Lee Warner, a guy you know, that just came onto the scenes Almost out of you know out of nowhere, out of thin air last year, we hadn't really heard much about him. He played some NRC, but he's off to a really solid start again this year. The Emac with a fifty-five point average, also matched by Nareki, despite his injury, still has a fifty-five point average. If you're over fifty, guys, this is this is some some big scores. Akira's on fifty-four, backing up last year. Rico's on forty-eight, and Sever Reese is on forty-five after a really, really solid start in week one. These familiar, are the I, think, interesting. I was going to say some familiar names there and definitely, uh, what, almost all of those players went in the first two rounds, I'd say, or so. Maybe not pretty the close. Maybe not Lee Warner, but pretty pretty close. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, then the surprises. The, the first one here, it's only off one match. We, we already touched on a little bit, but Tim Anstey, he has just been... In that one match was just so dynamic, so exciting for the force. I can't wait to see more of him. He is a role I think we haven't seen in Australian rugby for a very long time. That long, lanky back rower, that that six, that you know has ability to to find himself in space. I'm very excited to see more of him with his sevens background. Feletti Kaitu'u, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He's got a 60 point average, which is massive. Mm. The issue with him is his line-out throwing. <laughs> that 60 points, you know, would have been a fair bit higher if he could throw the ball straight. That's the issue, but the good thing about him is he's starting every game of this season. So it's safe as yeah. houses for a pick. Not necessarily yeah, that the safe as houses, but safe as houses that he's starting. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, Safa Mua is the fourth hooker we've mentioned. I think he's going to, you know, trickle down from here. He had everything his own way early on in the season until he's, I think he's got an injury at the moment, but... 59-point average. If you see him starting, pick him up and make sure he's in your side because he is worth bulk points at every opportunity. Mac Hansen, his average is 44 points. The match before we actually started our drafting system, he was in 44. I think he got roughly 44 as well. So it looks about his average, 44 points. Very good from the young winger from the Brumbies. Richard Oldlegs Kahui, the old man Kahui. How, how is he doing it, boys? He's got 44-point average. I think he offered very, very little last season, but somehow he's found his fitness, he's found his impact back in this game. Mate, he does look like a young man. He's on the Red Bulls or something because he just he's, <clears> he's you know, they've set a firecracker up his ass. He gets on it and goes. I've never seen I think so he, much pace. I think he must have just been underprepared last year because he, he was lining up to play... Uh, AFL somewhere in, in Newcastle and, and got pulled into this squad. And now this year he's had, you know, a professional preseason and he's showing he's still just absolute class. Um, another one here is someone that I mentioned a couple times in the preseason and Harry loved to poo-poo, but David Parecki. Dave Parecki got 43 points last week. Oh, no, sorry, that's his average. So that's including a, a game nice. off the bench as well. So 
pretty, pretty solid. And Sarah Uru's got a 32-point average. But the one match he started, he got 46 points, 0.7 points per minute. So if you're basically just looking at, you know, the locks that have had some decent minutes, he's actually sitting in fourth. Boys, how good would it be to see him in a Wallabies jersey? Huge, yeah. good. Does, uh, do you think, is, is Angus Blythe at risk of, uh, of getting usurped by Sarah Uru? Look, I, I, I don't... I don't see Seru Uru and Lukan Salakai Lotto being, you know, a lock partner. Part Combination. Ring. That's what I was going to say, Nels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a good word. That's the word I was thinking of. It's after midnight. But yeah, look, I, I just, I don't think they're, they're two guys you're going to have, you know, starting and playing bulk minutes together. But mm. Seru Uru is just a dynamic, exciting player off the bench. He's awesome when he starts as well. So, I mean, I, I just give him some minutes. I don't care what he's playing at. He certainly had another few big runs on the weekend, another, uh, you know, 40, 50 metre trot down the field. Here's, um, here's the interesting thing. He was the Fijian under 20s captain in 2017. I think he actually played under 20s for Fiji three years in a row, or he, at the very least, he was in the squad for three years. Well, but yeah, but um, in, at this time, prior to 2017, a, a nation could say that their B team was their under-20s. No longer can they do that. They could do that up until 2017. But it sounds like at the time that he was playing, Fiji had never said that their second team was their under-20s. So he may not be captured by Fiji. Mate, I'd, I'd love to see him in a Wallabies jersey. I, I think we'll see more of him if he does play for Fiji, but he's definitely got some you know exciting years ahead of him. I, I agree, absolutely. Yeah, I, I also want the listeners to um, just draw their attention, especially when they're playing off our platform, to Lockie Anderson, the Rebels winger, who is listed as a back rower. Craggers? Giving away all my secrets, mate. That's it. Uh, Tim, <laughs> Tim Ancy that we've talked about, uh, well, he's, you know, he's one of those ones you always want to find, which is uh, if you can find yourself a lock who is uh, playing back row, but who is also actually a back rower. So... Um, uh, yeah, and then Lockie Anderson, the sevens player who could certainly probably well play back row, but he's definitely playing a winger. Um, yeah. He's a great find, really. So um, you get as many outside backs in your team as possible. But uh, very good. Well, gents, I think that's probably going to do it. We're going to wrap it up there. Uh, a big thank you to the super sub for his 11th cap. Uh, Nubam, Matt, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, lads. Good and to be back on it. Bit rusty, boys. Bit rusty, but good. And that's it. And look, uh, if I beat you this week, we'll invite you back on next week. But um, if I don't, then um, yeah, that's it. Mate, eleven caps is where you'll you'll finish up. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you next next week, Nubum. Dictatorship, dictatorship. Absolutely, that's it. But uh, <laughs> no, very good shout, boys. Um, and yeah, thank you for tuning and listening. And we will catch you in the next one. Hooroo, boys. Simbutso, oh, wow, that was not good. Uh, Notchi, here on Andrew. Hi, Ron Andrews. Yeah. Here on, hi, Ron. You got a higher Andrew.